with everyone today? Have you come to bless the Lord? Let's stand together and bless him. Lord, we lift you up in this place. We magnify you. We glorify you. Lord, we bless your name, Lord Jesus. We love you. Have your way, Lord. you, O Lord, for there is none like you, O God. Oh, you see this mess we're in down here? You see every situation in this place today, Lord. You know what's going on in all of our lives. And Lord, we just need you to do, do a work in us, O oh God, today. By your spirit, by your presence, we are dependent upon you, Lord. I'm praying, God, come. Turn this thing around. Oh God, turn it around. Turn it around. 
Oh, just turn it around, Lord. Calling on the name changes everything. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, turn it around. Turn it around. Oh, God, just turn it around. Because all of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. The breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. And all of our hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. The breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. Oh, God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. Turn this thing around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. Calling on the name changes everything. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. It all of
worship the Lord together, church. Lift him up. Magnify the Lord. Bless you in this place, O oh Lord. We lift you and magnify you. Lord, we join with the angels now around your throne, lifting you and honor you continuously. We bless you and praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You deserve the glory.
sing that again. You deserve the glory and the Worship as we lift your holy name, for you are great, you do miracles so great, there is no one else like you, Lord, there is no one else like you. together all over the house this morning. We lift you. We magnify your holy name, O Lord. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Continue your worship. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Can we give Jesus a hand clap of praise in the house this morning? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, isn't it good to be in church today, folks? How many of you are still asleep? It's time for you to wake up. Enough's enough. It's one hour. Get over it. All right, now that I'm done with that, I want to get to the announcements. Just got a couple things really quick before I get into the sermon. We have our ladies that are going to the conference. If you've already signed up for that, April 27th and 28th, you walk through these doors right here, go straight all the way down the hall. That is the choir room. They'll be meeting immediately following the service to finalize a couple things. Uh, Widow's Lunch will be um, Tuesday, March 14th. We'll meet here at the church at noon and go into Los Poblanos in Six Mile. I eat a lot of Mexican food. I know how to pronounce the restaurants. Thirdly, we got youth fundraiser, raffle for two tickets to Dollywood theme park. Those things are expensive. We're giving you $10 per entry. Drawing on March 26th, so you got a couple more, three more Sundays to put in before we draw. We'll draw during the service. Uh, see Dylan Baldwin or any of the youth to purchase tickets. And lastly, we also got trash bags that we ordered, so thank you for your giving. We shipped about $750 worth of trash bags. To put that into perspective, we just sent the home for children about 4,500 to 5,000 trash bags. Yay, Gap Hill. We, we're doing great great work for the kingdom, yes. Got to have trash bags, right? So that was what they asked for. Asking you shall receive. So hopefully that will last them all year and uh, until next year. That's what the plan is. And also today before we close, we're going to have a special prayer. Don't let me forget this, Brian. At the end of service, I want to anoint somebody. We're going to pray for Brother Alan Brotherton. Many of you know Brother Alan, Sister Jan. They just joined the church a couple weeks ago. Brother Alan severe, uh, had a severe stroke. Matter of fact, three strokes that he suffered this past week. Had to airlift him to Greenville. He's in ICU there. Not doing well at all. He just sent me a text late last, last evening. And um, not looking good. Anything short of a miracle. is it's, um, He needs a miracle from God. So please, let's lift him up in prayer today that God would grant healing to him. I hate they're dealing with this and having to go through such a 
thing as this, but God's able, and we're going to pray that God would touch him. Amen? Uh, thank you for the calls, cards, beautiful Bible, the meal that you served, and your prayers. We appreciate and love our Gap Hill family, and this is from the Sexton family. As we talked about Wednesday for Brother Thacker, we loved him. Wonderful man of God. Uh, your mother had wrote me a card, and I think she said that they had went to 87 churches to fill in like one to three months. He had done that 87 times since retirement, and so that's pretty special. And um, so we honor him today and praying for you guys and your loss as well. If you have your Bibles this morning, the book of Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to go. Last week we... We started a series entitled, What's Right with the Church? You know me, very seldom do I do series, but I felt like this one needed to be done, so I did. And for you that missed last week, <clears throat> we talked about the fellowship of the church, and we started off our sermon last week by saying that there's a lot of things that are wrong with the church. We could do a series on what's wrong with the church, we could add gossip, we could talk about lying on one another, we could... We could talk about the looks that we get in church sometime from our fellow Christians. Don't everybody shout at once. We could talk about a lot of things about what's wrong with the church. But we start the series with what's right with the church. Because there's some things that are right. And if we don't have these things quite tweaked where they need to be, that's why I'm preaching and teaching on them. So that we can get it right and make sure. Because these are the things I'm telling you that God blesses his church for. The first one was the fellowship of the church. That's coming together, worshiping together is fellowship. But today we go to the favor of the, somebody say favor. Favor is the word that last week, fellowship is the word of the day. Today, favor is going to be the word of the day. Acts chapter 2, your text, if we could go there. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They were breaking bread and in prayers. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. They had all things in common, that unity, that fellowship. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them all as anyone had need. We talked about that last week. Sign me up for that church. They sell their houses, their lands, whatever they have to do to make sure that everybody in the church has what they need. For, for their sustenance or to, to be able to provide for themselves as well. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. What a powerful scripture. I want to show you Luke chapter 1 and verse 30 as well before I get into my preaching. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Now when we look at the word favor, the word favor means friendly or favorable regard towards someone. Another definition for the word favor means to have the approval of someone. Or another word would be to have support, a support system. All right, But today I want to get churchy with you. And, and I want to tell you the definition we're going to use. We're going to use the word, the hand of God. The hand of God on you is the favor of God in your life, all right? And so I, the work that the church has to do, this great commission that we have been called to do, go into all the world and preach this gospel, 
it demands, it demands that we have God's favor on our lives in order for the church to be the church that God has called us to be. For the church to operate in the giftings that we have been called to operate in. There are many signs and there are many wonders, we read it in our text, that are going on in this church. There's miraculous things happening that nobody can explain. We understand today, we cannot do this alone, folks. We cannot fulfill the Great Commission by ourselves. We cannot change the world by ourselves. We understand we have to have the favor of God on our church in order to accomplish the will and purpose of the church. When I looked at the announcement to Mary in, in one of our texts, I, I, I saw the angel was... He tells her, he says, you don't have to be afraid, Mary. Why? Because you have found favor with God. In other words, if you have favor with God, then there is nothing in this life to fear. There is no problem that is too great when you have his hand on you. There is no circumstance that will get too insurmountable or a hill too high that you cannot climb. There will be no situation that will be too difficult if you have gained the favor of God. You may have faced things where you thought it was too big, not only for you, but also for God. You know in our moments of weakness, but we have to understand that there's nothing too great when we have God in the scenario. So today when we think about favor, I want to give you three different points. The first one is going to be how to obtain favor. The second, maintain favor. And the third one I want to talk about regaining the favor. Now the first one being obtaining the favor of God, which means gaining the favor of God. I was reading in my Bible in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. There's a story of a man by the name of Noah. You remember that story, right? Noah and the... Yes, I'm just trying to get y'all motivated and woke up, alright? Not everybody had death wish coffee at Ann and David's house like I did last night. Woo! They, the Bible says that Noah found favor or grace. Another word, version said that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Everything was against Noah finding God's favor. Because when you open up your Bible in the book of Genesis, the Bible says that the wickedness of that generation, of Noah's generation, was so wicked and so great. It said that the very thoughts of men, that they were continuously evil. That means men are laying in their beds thinking to themselves, what can I do bad tomorrow? Do I have anybody like that in the house? Because if I do, I've got an oil up here at the altar service just for you. They are continually thinking, what can I do tomorrow that is wicked? Oh man, what kind of sin can I commit? This is what the Bible says. But in the middle of all of that, there is this man by the name of Noah that finds favor. The hand of God in the middle of all of the wickedness. See, I'm telling you, we are living, think about it. We are living in, in a wicked world, right? I mean, just watch the news. If you're old school and you don't have a TV, read the papers if they still print those. Men still do it today. We have mass shootings that take place all around. Matter of fact, they don't even report all of them. We've got schools that for a lot of times we saw many schools that were being shot up. That last one, just an absolute 
horrific situation. How in the world can a man or a woman take a gun, assault rifle, and go into a school full of innocent kids and kill them, murder them? How do you do that? Wickedness is in the heart of men. This is where Noah finds himself. I mean, they go in theaters, people trying to just eat some popcorn and watch a movie. And they'll shoot them up. They, they, they're bombing buildings. I mean, anything, their hearts are continually evil. All around, there's Noah is corruption. But Noah found favor, hallelujah, in the eyes. Now, some people could have made an excuse and said, oh, I can't live it. I mean, look around me, Lord. Everybody else is wicked. Everybody else is doing it. I just can't live it. Look at this world. I mean, make an excuse. Look at the family I come from. Do you know who my daddy was? Do you know who my mama was? Do you know the way they treated me? Do you know the bad things they did to me? We can make excuses. But no one is an example that it is possible to have the hand of God and the favor of God with you even in the middle of a corrupt and wicked world. The three Hebrew boys show us the same thing because all around them everybody else is bowing. But there's three Hebrew boys that said we will not bow, old king. We're going to stand up for what we believe in. Into the fire they went. But guess what happened? The favor of God showed up. The hand, literally, the hand of God showed up. For the fourth man in the fire, the king said, it looks like it is the Son of God, a.k.a. Jesus Christ. The hand of God literally, literally showed up. When I look at a young boy by the name of Joseph, you remember him, don't you? He's a good example. His father, even from a child, he made him a coat that is called the coat of many colors, right? Y'all remember that in, in Bible and Sunday school class, right? Joseph and the coat of many colors. When you begin to study it, what you find is when the father gave it to him, it was not just a coat of colors. It was a coat of favor. Everywhere you go, son, you wear the coat. I'm telling you, God will give us a cloak. He'll put a jacket of favor on us. Oh, I wish somebody would hear what I'm preaching today. He'll put a jacket. The Bible said that he'll take the spirit of heaviness, the garments of heaviness, and he'll give us the garments of praise. God can give you a change of clothes, and you can walk around in a coat of favor like Joseph did. So here he is. The, you know the Midianites, they find him. They end up buying him. But Joseph, and, and you remember, even... Even his own brothers, right, wanted to kill him. And then one of the brothers said, oh, let's not do this. This is our flesh and blood, is what he said. Man, it's pretty bad when your own siblings want to kill you, right? Do you know why they wanted to kill him? Because of favor. Oh, Jesus, help Jimmy. There's a lot of people, you think, you would think that people would celebrate with people that walk in favor. You would think they would celebrate when good things happen for you. And when you're blessed and everything that you touch is prospers. And let's celebrate together. But not everybody is excited about favor that's on your life. Even his own brother said, we've had enough of this, buddy. You've been the winner long enough. Daddy has clothed you in favor. Well, we're going to show you who's boss, buddy. Into a pit he goes. 
These people buy him. They take him to Egypt. You know the storyline. I'll give you the quick gist of it. He goes to a guy named Potiphar's house. He, he was a slave, right? He is a slave, literally. Bought for 20 pieces of silver. When he gets there, do you know what happens? He says, all right, Joseph, you can have everything. Because the Bible said, chapter 39 and verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph. Hallelujah. It said, but the Lord was with Joseph and gave him, you guessed it, favor. And so Potiphar said, you can have everything but my wife. And you know the story. The wife cries rape, rape, rape like some people do nowadays. Joseph had never even touched her. But she got a hold of the coat. And she pulls it off of him. And she says, oh, he raped me. He did me wrong. Oh, my goodness, somebody saved me. And Potiphar comes home and says, what have you done? I gave you everything. I'm sending you to prison, boy. You don't mess with my wife. Joseph ends up in prison. You think it's hard down there, right? But the Lord was with Joseph and gave him favor with the man that was over the prisoners. Isn't this powerful? The favor of God is all over him. It is so good that eventually we find him right under the Pharaoh's second in command. It is all because of the hand of God on his life. Favor is powerful folks you, you, read, you read about Samuel he's another 1 Samuel 2 and 26 the child Samuel grew and was both in favor with the Lord and with favor with men note the sequence he had favor with God first that is the most important and then he had favor with men second God always has to be first in Proverbs 3 3 and 4 when he says son I want to give you some words of wisdom you don't let mercy and truth forsake you. You bind them in your heart. You put them around your neck. Wear them like a necklace. And then you'll find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and with man. Jesus is an example in the Bible. Luke 2.52. Read it in your Bible. That even Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man but seek ye first God the kingdom and his righteousness and then all these other things are added to you that means that favor will find you remember favor is the prominent thing favor is the most important thing the church in Acts 247 is praising God and having favor with the people now please let me say it this way before I move on if you have God's favor you have a better choice of gaining the favor of men as well. Secondly, maintaining the favor in our life. That's keeping. There are prerequisites. This is, this is very important. It's not revival preaching, but it's very important for our daily walk with Christ. There are requirements to having the favor of God, to maintaining, to keeping this favor. In other words, if I'm going to walk with the hand of God on my life, there is a price that I must pay. The first thing I must have is a pure heart. It is about maintaining this relationship with Jesus Christ. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You may be criticizing life for a lot of things. There's some critical people. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Your preaching, your singing ability that you may possess, or teaching, whatever. Listen, it may not be the greatest. But if, ever, if anyone is ever able... To pinpoint in you an impure heart 
then they will begin to understand and recognize why you have lost the favor, the hand, the blessing, the anointing of God. When I read about Saul in my Bible, the King Saul, you know him, the one before David, the first king of Israel. Whenever I read about Saul, Saul is a man of favor, right? He walks in the anointing. He's a head taller than everybody else. But Saul lost the favor with God. He lost the anointing, right? He disobeyed God. He offered sacrifices instead of letting Samuel do it, the prophet. What was the problem with Saul? It was not a talent issue. You could criticize him for a lot of things. But we pinpoint what the problem is in Saul. It is not his abilities. It is the fact that he has an impure heart. And when he has an impure heart, he starts going down this road of sin. And once he starts down it, he doesn't stop. It gets so bad that God says, you know what, Saul? I've rejected you from being king. There's a shepherd boy that's going to take your place. You can't. He even goes to a witch, the witch of Endor, and goes talks to her. That is why David, when we find David, he knows the story of Saul. That is why David said, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. I've got to have your anointing. I've got to have your favor. I've got to have your support system in my life. I've got to have it. I can't do it without you. That is why David began to cry even after his sin in Psalm 51. And he said, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Get my heart right again and put a right spirit within me. It is so vital that we maintain a relationship with Jesus Somebody says, that is so 101. I know it is. I know it. But so often we forget to keep this beautiful favor and this coat that God is wanting to put on us of favor and blessing that we have to maintain. I, I was reading my Bible. Isaiah, it's one of my favorite, favorite chapters and verses. I love it. It is, it, you know, in Isaiah chapter 5, you, you read chapter 5, but, but my favorite part is chapter 6. And I know they link together, and I'm going to talk about both of them for just briefly here. But when Isaiah saw God in Isaiah 6 and 1, I probably should have put it on the screen, but I didn't. But there is a wonderful thing that happens and takes place. The first thing, he saw God. Secondly, he saw himself. Thirdly, then he saw others. Now, now let me show you the breakdown of this. In chapter 6, he says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, and he was high, and he was lifted up. And his train, his glory, his favor, his blessing, it filled the temple. Notice the wording. He used to look at Uzziah. He used to look at the king. That's who they look to for help. He's their leader. They look to him. But he says, I realized that when Uzziah died, I didn't have to look for him anymore. I needed to look for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He was greater than Uzziah ever thought about being. He had more favor than anybody else. I saw the Lord, and he's high and lifted up. But, but when you read chapter 5, Isaiah gives six woes that are going to hit because of their sins, because of impurity of heart, because of the things they're doing or haven't done. There are six woes that Isaiah pronounces to the people. Are you ready for this? But after Isaiah saw God for himself, 
I saw him high and lifted up. His trains filling the temple. Do you know what the next verse says? He said, woe! Not woe to them. He, now chapter 5, he has spit it out. He spit out five, six different woes in chapter 5. Woe are those that do this. Woe are them back yonder that did this. Woe are you over yonder, buddy. In chapter 6, when he saw God first, he said, woe is me. He realized for one minute it was not about them in that moment. It was about him. And he said, woe is me. He realized, I'm a mess. I am a, I'm a prophet of God. I'm a man of God, but I am a literal mess. I feel unhappy now. I mean, I thought I was good. I thought I had my life together. I thought I was walking in favor. I mean, I really thought things were going A-OK -okay until you showed up. And when you showed up, and I saw you first. I realized how unclean and how woeful I am. I am a man of an unclean heart. I am a man of unclean lips. And I just pronounce woe to these people. And the real woe is in me. So Lord, I want you to get one of those coals off the altar that you just set on fire and I want you to pick it up and that's what the angel did. And he touched his lips and said, now you are clean. Now you go pronounce what thus saith the Lord sometimes. We need to realize like, it is so easy to see other people's sins. It is so easy to see when other people's relationship with Christ isn't where it's supposed to be. We can quickly point the finger, woe are you? Woe are you? Woe are you? But what we need is what Isaiah had in order to keep this favor. We've got to see the Lord in the temple again, high and lifted up. And then we're going to realize how small we are. We may feel really, really big oh, and when he's not in the room. But when he shows up, all of a sudden everything changes. And we feel about this big because we know we're impure. He realized his impurity of heart when he saw God. He confesses his unholiness and he found favor with God. So what did God say? After all this happens, God says, all right, you've seen me. Now you've seen yourself. Now who am I going to send to help them? The people. And what did Isaiah, the man that had just found himself in a place of woe, he says, God said, who will go and who will I send? Isaiah says, Lord, if you'll show me your favor, if you'll put your hand on me, here am I. Send me and I will go. Himself, he saw God, he saw himself, and now he goes out to others. It's in 2 Chronicles 26. You read of this King Uzziah. He's a young king at the time. He's still alive, of course, in chapter 26. And I want to show you, he gives us insight on gaining the favor of God in our life. Firstly, and I'm going to quote it really quick. Verse 4, verse 5, verse 6, and verse 7. In verse 4, the Bible said simply, he did that which was right in the sight of God. All right? Number 5, verse 5, and he sought the Lord with all his heart. Number 3, he went forth. 
These three points are actual keys that unlock the door to favor, the favor of God for the church and for us today. The first one is do right. Does anybody understand what I'm telling? Do right. Do you know what that means? That means live right. Do right means you treat other people right. I was reading something the other day, and it said people may forget what you said, but they will never forget what you did and how you made them feel. They can't forget how you made them feel. It is simply because you treated them right. You treated them with respect. So God says this is a key to unlocking an anointing in your life like you've never known before. First right, you got to do right. Secondly, you got to seek God. Favor never comes without a constant seeking after the Lord. As we preached the other week, being a God chaser, right? Pursuing God, running after God. Commitment to, to, to your intimacy between you and Christ. It's so 101, isn't it? We know what Christians do, right? We pray, we read our Bible, and we go to church. Have I got it figured out pretty much, that 101 Christianity? 101, baby. But yet we fail to do the simple things. Because in our walk with Christ, I'm going to talk about this, we can lose that favor that God's wanting to really shine on our lives. And I think oftentimes it is because of the simplicity that we fail to do those simple things, simply praying, simply having a desire for the Word of God. These are the things that draw us away from Him when we get away from them. But He says, after you do right, after you seek God, then you go forth. It doesn't take much approval to say it the same place. It doesn't take much approval to be at mediocrity. It doesn't take much approval just to have the status quo. There's an elderly couple, the story goes, that they are at a merry-go-round. To which the old man looks at his wife and says, Honey, let's take a ride on this merry-go-round at this fair. The old man could not convince his wife. She said, I refuse. I will not get on it. You're going to have to ride alone. So finally, he gets on, he takes his ride, he goes around and around, the thing stops, when he gets off, she says to him, see there, listen closely, you got off where you got on, and you haven't been anywhere yet. What an indictment to the church of Jesus Christ, when after all these years, whew, man, I feel like preaching today. Maybe the hour's starting to catch up with me. I'm going to need a nap, right? After all of these years, I mean, my gosh, when were we established, Sandra? Where are you at? What year was it? What, what did it? Wow. Boy, she's the brains of this organization. 1946. Some of you sitting in this room were around to see it, right? But what an indictment to all of our churches. What a responsibility God has put on us. When the community that we have served for years and years, they notice that all we have ever done is go around and around in circles. Day after day, month after month, year after year, and we really haven't gotten anywhere. That is not the church that Jesus Christ has called us to be. 
Somebody shout hallelujah. That is why right now we're active and we're doing and we're just wanting to get it done. You know why? Because I don't want to be here years from now saying we've been spinning around, walking around the wilderness, walking around a mountain, riding a merry-go-round. Bless God, I want to be on the move. I want the favor of God. It's time for the favor of God to be seen on this church. It is time for favor to be noticeable. That is where people begin to recognize that church over there. Let me tell you something about them. What they're doing, they cannot do by themselves. They're walking in the favor of God. The hand of God has rested over that congregation. I'm telling you, God, help us. We are the church of favor. Let's live like it. And then in verse 7, God helped him because the Bible said that he helped him against the Philistines. They went out and fought him, and they overcome and won. That's the divine result of using the preceding keys. You do right, you seek God, then you go forth, and God is going to help us. He'll show up. That's when we maintain God's favor. And his hand is on our life and on our churches. All right, I'm going to leave you with this. Here's the deal. We are not in a perfect world. We are not a perfect church. We are not perfect people. So there are times that whether we want to admit it or not, there are times that we lose some things that we once had. We lose our victory. Right? We're kingdom children. But sometimes we lose our victory. Sometimes we lose our shout. Sometimes we lose our smile. Oh, they used to smile. They used to be happy. What in the world happened to old Brenda, old Barbara, old Joe? What in the world happened to them? Right? They once had it, but somewhere they lost that smile. They lost their happiness. They lost their victory. They walk around in defeat. And I'm afraid that some of us have lost our favor. And I don't want that for my life. I don't want to lose the favor of God. I cannot afford to lose the hand of God. I want it to be so heavy on me that it literally, I feel the weight and the pressure from the anointing and the power that is on top of me. I have, I don't know about you, but I've got to have favor. I've got to. I, I can't do it without favor. So while it's not a perfect world, what I do want you to understand is if you've lost favor with God, you do the necessary things, the basics, the 101, to get it back. You can regain. Somebody said, well, I lost favor. It's over, man. I used to this. That I've... No, 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 no. See, this is the beautiful thing about God. We got some dry erase boards back there, some chalk, white chalk you write on them. But do you know what you can do with it? You can erase that board. That's all you've got to do, and you can start over again. And I'm telling you, there's some of you that you've lost something, and the devil said, hey, look at it. You, you don't have no favor anymore. Look at the mess on that board. Look at the mess in your life. But God's saying, I'm going to erase that thing and say, child of God, the favor's coming back. You can start over again. I'm not done with you yet I have seen men that had a great education fail anybody know what I'm talking about they were smart they still failed I have seen men with a lot of money 
great men with a lot of money that have failed. Walked in on a documentary on Elon Musk last night. Jennifer happened to have on the TV, and I got a little engaged, which I've done some research on him. Pretty interesting guy. But he's talking about how when he first started SpaceX, and he's trying to fly his rockets up, spends $100 million. I got $100 million to spend. That's pocket change, right? Yeah. $100 million. That's what I'm going to spend. He told his guy, I said, if we fail, after that $100 million is gone, I'm broke. That's it. But I'm willing to put it all in there. And do you know he had multiple rocket ships that went up and failed, failed, failed. Now, obviously, today is $100 million, probably $200 billion. So, obviously, somebody got it right and kept on pursuing and kept on trying even in the face of failure. That's a beautiful story. But at the time, a man with a lot of money looked like a failure to the world. And it's on the news, and they say, oh, they tried it, they'll never be able to achieve this. Failure, failure, failure. And I've seen people that had the money, but they failed. I have seen people that had natural abilities, but guess what? They didn't rely on Christ. Their ministries were short-lived, and they ended up failing and falling away. They had the natural ability, but guess what they didn't have? See, I want you to understand this. I have never seen anyone fail that had the favor of God on their life. I have never seen anyone fail that the hand of God, hallelujah, was on their life. Never. Why? Because God never fails. And if God is the one that's got his hand on me and got my back, See, every time I preach a sermon, I understand my reliance on him. And that is why I tell him every time, if you don't show up and if you don't help me, Oh, I'm a man that's undone. There is no way that I'm capable. My natural abilities will fail me. I've got to have your i got to have your favor. I've got to have your hand. Because if your hand's not on me, I will fail. But I know that if God shows up, I'll never fail. The word will be preached. The anointing will go forth. Yokes will be broken. Not because of me, but because of the favor of God. Oh, Jesus. i got to close. i got to close. We cannot fail, church. Our church cannot fail when we have his hand on us. We can't. His work will go forth. His kingdom will prosper. I'm going to leave you with this. Our problem sometimes is that we seek the favor of man instead of seeking the favor of God. We want men to give us their approval. Men to give us their blessing. We want to look good in front of everybody else. I'm not worried about that today. I'm more concerned about him. In closing, three more minutes, there's this guy named Samson. You know his story. This guy named Samson, and this is the fact, that many people, many churches, can only remember what it was like to have the favor of God because now it's gone. The problem is this, that when you go to, I have, listen, I've pastored a lot of churches, and
And I've been to a lot of churches. The one thing that I would say is the greatest fault of the church. Are y'all ready for this? Golden Nuggets with Jimmy. In my gray-headed years of experience, what I have learned is this. The churches that fail to move forward are the churches that live in the past. The churches that fail to become great are the churches that all they can ever do is remember when the favor of God used to be on them. Oh, I wish y'all would help me preach today. There is nothing wrong with revisiting the past. Byron, I can invite you to my house. I said, Byron, come on everybody, I'm going to grill a steak. At the church, he's going to say, I'm waiting on that. All right, I got you. I'm going to grill a steak for you. I said, all right, I'm going to come on over. I'm going to enjoy that steak. All right. When he comes over, that's called a visit to my house, right? Two months later, I say, man, Byron, I, just, I, I want you to come see that. I, I got this new grill, man. You got to come see this grill. He comes over. He says, I'm going to come see the grill. He comes over there. What is that called? He revisits me, right? If I call him one day and say, Byron, come on over here, bro. I got to show you something. And he comes with a suitcase in his hand. And he says, I got some clothes, man. Is there any way I can crash in the top bedroom? I'm like, oh, I guess. Yeah, sure. And, and, and day one goes by. Byron, good morning. Day two goes by. After a while, I'm saying, how many clothes can you pack in that thing, right? Because all of a sudden, a visit and a revisit becomes a, is this guy living here now? So do you know what I do? I love Byron, but I'm kicking Byron out. I want him to come visit me. He can even revisit. I don't want him living with me. And I'm telling you, I think that that's what God is trying to do to the church. He is saying, some of you, you have visited the past. Some of you even, you were there. You experienced it. You have revisited the past. But there's some of you that have taken your tent like Peter and you put it on the top of the Mount Transfiguration and you said, we're going to live here. But what did God do to Peter? He said, Peter, get off the mountain. You're not intended to live here. There's more favor for you than this experience right here. Get down and do the work of God. Samson is one of those that is in a place that all he can do is remember the favor of God that he used to have. We find ourselves like Samson of old. Johnny, I was reading today, this is powerful. I was doing some studying before I preached today. And I was like, how heavy was the gates of the city that Samson picked up? And through quick research in several different sites, I learned that many Bible scholars teach that the gates of that city weighed 8,000 pounds. Is everybody still with me? You guys that thought benching 300 was tough, you're nothing. Eight. That means four tons, four times 2,000, 8,000 pounds, and he picks them up. Why does he do this? Is it his natural ability? Is it his muscles? Is it the protein shake he drank? Is it the new pill that you shouldn't take just because one guy got on there, the ultimate Hulk, and said, man, I took it, my muscles grew? It's called steroids. I'm sorry. Anyhow, here we are. And we've got Samson, a man that can do this, but it's not medicine. It's not his natural ability. 
It's the favor of God. It's the anointing. This wicked woman, you ladies should be ashamed. Have I got a Delilah in the house? Amen. Praise the Lord. Nobody's here. I'm fixing to tear this up. Here goes old wicked Delilah. And she said, there's a... Hey, where's your strength lie? He's always this, that, that. If you do this, if you braid my hair, if you do blah, 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 blah. And he tells her all these things. If you wrap me up with this flax, you know, and, and stuff, I couldn't break out of flax. Flax makes me weak. He lies to her, teases her in a way. And so every time the field signs come in, he's like, she's like, hey, Samson, the field signs be upon thee. He breaks up, breaks off. Honey, you've lied to me. You said that flax would do it. Oh, honey, I was just picking. It's all right. Oh, baby, please tell me where your strength lies. She rubs that head. He says, oh, tell me. Oh, if you would just weave the locks of my head. Oh, oh, then I'd lose the strength of God. Oh, I'd lose it. I'd be like a natural man, a normal man. The next night, honey, the Philistines be upon thee. Samson, it's not awkward and strange. It's not a major red flag that she just weaved your head just like you told her not to do last night. How dumb can a man be? He does it multiple time after multiple time until finally he breaks down. The enemy breaks him down and says, Honey, if you would cut this hair. I'm a Nazarene and, or Nazarite. And in this head, this is my strength. If you'd cut it. How dumb, how ignorant. We tell the devil how to defeat us all the time. She shaved his head, said, Samson, the Philistines be upon thee. And he gets up, he shakes himself. For every time he shakes himself, the spirit of the Lord, the favor of oh God, the favor of God, the hand of God comes on him. And when it does, he can destroy anybody. He can rip lines with his bare hands. I'm wondering how in the world he does it. It's the favor of God. But this time he shakes himself. And he wists not. He recognizes. And he would to God, he'd have had a brain a couple nights ago, three nights ago, four nights ago, if he'd have just caught the red flag. But now he shakes himself and he feels, oh God, the presence of God has left. The favor, the hand of God that used to press on me and I knew when he showed up. I could feel him when he came on me, but now he's gone. Favor is lost. So what did they do? They took him. I'm going I'm to go to the piano. I got to hush. Just start playing so I'll stop. We have lost some of the same things that Samson lost. Number one, he lost his power. Secondly, he lost his influence. Thirdly, he lost his vision. I could preach a sermon out of that. Maybe I should save that for next week. The problem with the church is when we lose our power. When we lose it, the enemy recognizes it, and he will prowl on that. My God, he will tear us apart. We can't afford to lose the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, he loses his influence. The church, see, Samson used to be feared. But now he's lost that influence. They're making a joke out of this man. They have turned a champion into a clown. Guiding him like a dog on a leash. How sad it must have been. He lost his influence. The church has lost its influence. 
They used to have a name that they lived. They used to have a name that they thrived. They used to have a name of favor. They used to have a name where things used to happen. But that name no longer that they live now. It's a name that they are dead. So we lose our influence. We don't have that title. If you need help, you go to Gatfield Church. They're going to pray and God's going to answer. And then lastly, he lost his vision. Wow. They poked his eyeballs out. He's grinding around. Many churches today, the reason they're dead and the reason they're locking their doors is because they have lost their vision. And where there is no vision, the people are going to perish and the people are going to die. God help us never to lose the vision. But Samson... There's this young kid that's taking him out. And he says, young man, I'm blind. I can't really, I can't see. And I really, I feel uncomfortable. They're making a joke of me. Could you please just do me one favor? If you would just take me and put my hands on the pillars of this building. Just touching it will help me. I'll, I'll at least know where I am. I won't feel lost. Just give me somewhat of a footing. And so he puts his hands. And here they are. Thank you, young man. And he puts his hand on there. Samson, a man that has lost the favor of God, began to pray. And the Bible said that the hair of Samson's head began to grow again. Something started changing. Something started happening. And as he is sitting there in his closing moments of his life, He's saying, Lord, I know I failed in the past, but oh Lord, would you do it again? Oh Lord, would you show me favor? Just one, I know I failed you. I know I've done wrong. I know I've made a fool out of you. But if you would just let your hand touch me one more time. And in that moment, for the first time in quite a while, a guy that had been powerless no influence no vision the favor of God said Samson I'm going to do it for you again and he shakes himself and when he shakes himself this time he is so happy little Kelvin he feels the fa- he feels the hand he feels that weight on him again the same weight he picked up 8,000 pounds with the same weight he ripped the jawbone of this old line open with the anointing of God got on him and he began to push And that day he pushed down a coliseum of wicked Philistines, the enemies of God. And on that day he killed more people in one day than he had killed in his whole life. Let's all stand. I'm closing. God is saying, can I say it this way? God is waiting for the church to say, Lord, would you do it again? God is waiting on the church to say, Lord, would you let your hand come down on us one more time? Would you let signs and wonders happen? We can't do it alone. It is by your favor. Let your favor shine upon the church. We can't do it alone. We need your presence to fill this house. We need to see the Lord high and lifted up. We need your train, your glory to fill this temple. We need your hand on us. We need your favor. Again. 
Brian's about to sing. This altar is open today, folks. And if you feel the need to pray, I am leaving it open. And I want you to trust God as individuals. Listen to me. Before a church can see favor, we got to see ourselves. I could sit here and point the finger at you and tell you what you need to do. But what God is saying to Isaiah is let me walk in the room. And when I walk in the room, there won't be nobody praying for nobody else. They'll be on their face begging God, clean me up. Sing it, son. Sing it. All of my hope is in the name if you want to pray, the altars the are open today. Oh, breakthrough will come. Come in the name, the name of Jesus. All of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come. Breakthrough will come. Come in the name, the name of Jesus. My hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. The breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. And all of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. The breakthrough will come, come in the name. The name of Jesus. God, turn it around. 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 And all of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. And all of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. And all of my hope is in the name. Jesus, breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus, all of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus, breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. And all of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. The breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. God, turn it around. 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 Oh, 
God turn it around. God turn it around. God turn it around. And all of my hope is in the name, the name, the name, name of Jesus. A breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. Come on now. All of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus. Breakthrough will come, it'll come in the name. Turn it around, God. Turn it around. Oh, thank you, Lord. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. Oh, yeah. Keep playing, Susan. I want to do an anointed cloth. Um, Rick, do you mind standing in behalf of uh, Brother Brotherton? This is for Alan today. Alan is, as I told you, Alan has. We're going to anoint a prayer cloth and pray for him. He's had three major strokes, and it appears right now that he's, he's not even responding. So there, it appears that there has been damage to his brain, and uh, it's not looking good. And so today, as we anoint this and we pray, we're going to ask God to bring a special. It's a miracle. It takes a miracle. But we're going to ask the favor of God to shine in his room, and we're going to ask the hand of God to press heavily upon him even today in a way he's never felt before. He needs it. He needs it. And uh, these folks moved all the way from Washington State, right? So you are their family. You are their They don't have anybody else. And so if you call them, Ileana's on Facebook, send her a message. Ileana Fortune is her name. Just let them know that you're there, that you're praying, thinking about them. It'll mean a lot to them. All right, so let's pray. Father, today we pray for Alan as we anoint this cloth. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, do what only you can do for, for Alan right now. Oh, God. Lord, reverse that stroke in the name of Jesus. Reverse the damage that has been done in his body. Only you can do it. We can't do it ourselves. We don't have the ability. If we did, we would. We're praying for your favor to come on him. We're praying for you to shine down on him again. Let your hand rest heavily. He has to have your support. He has to have your strength. He has to have your touch. And so today as a family, we come together and we believe with our brother and we trust that there is a healing that is coming to him even right now. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we will declare the works of the Lord and the greatness and the good things that you have done. Isn't it good to be in church today, folks? Amen. Shake hands and be friends. God bless.